almost had John to sing that song again. Well, Lord, because uh, you, you want to do what's right, definitely, and if God has put something on your heart, there's a reason for it. Um, I will be a little bit open here to you. Um, I had to, I was up till at least midnight almost every night this past week, and uh, usually with you know, here at the church with Caleb and his family, and then the time we got home and did everything we had to do and got settled in. Thankfully, I got to sleep in some, but I had to work yesterday. I worked about eight, eight hours. had to drive down to Shelbyville, Kentucky, and uh, make it back in time for church. So, and I didn't sleep very good at all last night, so to be quite honest with you, uh, if I look like I'm half asleep, I am. Uh, also, last night when I got home, uh, my chest started getting congested, my sinuses started blowing up, so I'm not being rude, but if I didn't come back and shake anybody's hand, it's not that I'm not trying to greet you, is I'm trying to protect you. Uh, I don't want to, if I've got something, I don't want to share. Uh, I almost didn't even come. I thought, well, I don't know who else, who else I could get to preach. And um, I thought if, you know, I felt like God was, you know, leading me to come. I have somewhat prayed and sweated over what to preach, but this seems to be the dominating thought. And I preached, started this a few weeks ago, and we didn't get very far into the actual message that God had given me, and he actually changed a little bit again. But Second Corinthians chapter 10 is where we're going to be preaching from this morning. And let me say just a couple of things as we get started. Um... I definitely enjoyed uh, the revival this week, enjoyed the, the preaching, the presence of God, uh, everything everyone did, and uh, just all the help that all of us got uh, for those who were able to be here. Uh, certainly don't want to bring any unwanted attention to anyone or anything like that, but uh, we appreciate Joshua last night and just been praying for him, and, uh, and we need to be in prayer for him and uh, his family, and thank God for his blessings. I'm thankful that even though it concerns me, when it comes right down to it, I don't have to worry about what goes on in this world. Uh, as a Christian, you really don't. You realize God is in control. Come what may, I know what my future holds. As a child of God, I don't have to worry about what tomorrow brains because I know who holds tomorrow and I'm thankful that we have that hope and that privilege and that promise I'm going to try to be direct this morning I might pray that I don't belabor my points or my introduction uh, I don't want to hold you very long but I want to be direct and to the point and try to get this across 2 Corinthians chapter 10 everybody there verse 1 the Bible says now I Paul myself beseech you by the meekness and gentleness of Christ who in presence and base among you have been absent and bold towards you. Notice the wording there. Uh, by the meekness and gentleness of Christ, he's using that as an example. And last a few weeks ago when I preached this, I'll give you a quick introduction. Basically what the Corinthians were accusing him of doing is being bold and, and uh, very 
blunt, I guess, if you would, when he's away from them, when he wrote letters or sent word back with somebody, like he'd rare back at somebody once, but he's in front of us, he cowers down. That's not what, I'll promise you, that's not the Apostle Paul. That's not who he was, and he's telling them this. And he's explaining to them that they're thinking carnally. And you and I as Christians, if there's sin in your life, if you're living with some kind of sin, if you're living in an unacceptable way of God, if you're living in some kind of form or fashion where sin is allowed in your life, I promise you, you have carnal thoughts. You cannot, you cannot have a direct line with God. I'm not saying God won't hear you. I'm not saying God won't bless you. I'm just saying there's, going to be, there, there's not going to be a true pathway between you and God. It can't be because it goes against the Bible. In verse 2 he says, But I beseech you, that I may not be bold when I am present with you that with that confidence whereof I think to be bold against some which think of us if we walked according to the flesh for though we walk in the flesh we do not war after the flesh for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ and having in a readiness to revenge all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. Do look on things after the outward appearance. If any man trusts to himself that he is Christ, that he himself think this again, that as he is Christ, even so are we Christ. For though I should boast somewhat more of our authority, which Lord have given us for edification and not for your destruction, I should not be ashamed. Let's pray. Father, we thank you again for this time together. And God, thank you for this past week, Lord, for what it meant to us, for all the things you did, for the blessings we received, God, for the preached word that we heard, Lord, for the singing, the testimonies, everything that was said and done, God, the fellowship, Lord, the, the prayer time, everything, God, I want to thank you for. And God, you've helped me this past week, certainly, and I pray that others have received help. And God, I pray that you continue Lord, to draw this church closer to you. God, help us to be obedient to what you ask us to do and me as pastor. God, we need you today. Holy Spirit, I need you as I preach this. I pray that I am where you would have me to be. And God, I thank you and I love you and I pray that you deal with hearts and give me the words needed. In Jesus, your name we pray and amen. All right, as I said, I, I pre I've preached on this here before. It's been a couple years ago. And God let me back here a few weeks ago, but um, as I got through the introduction, uh, forgiveness, unforgiveness kept coming to me and I couldn't get away from it. And God basically uh, kind of inadvertently led me to preach, at least to me, uh, on forgiveness. And I know that everyone in here, whether you want to admit it or not, all of us deal with some form of unforgiveness against someone. Somebody, somewhere, sometime, some way, somehow, usually somebody's, you struggle with forgiving. You have animosity towards. You have some kind of hard feelings towards. You have some kind of hurt towards or whatever it may be. I might be getting repeated on it again and not realize it. Uh, but we all struggle with that sometimes. And that can be a stronghold. And let me try to get through this the best I can as quick as I can and, and with God's help to help you. Now, we know, as we've said before, the battles are a lot of times won and lost in our mind, in our thinking, in our logic. 
which is kind of our whole psyche, not just up here in our emotions. So many ways those things affect us. Uh, I'm sure that all of us has had men on emotional battles. Uh, I know all of us probably have. Some of you are having them right now. Uh, it's estimated, and I said this before, that an adult brain carries on about 1,000 trillion logical operations per second. That doesn't mean you're having that many thoughts. It just means that your brain is carrying on that much activity nonstop. Uh, when you sleep, your brain is still active. Do you realize that? You dream whether you realize you're dreaming or not. Uh, it's kind of comical. You'll, I've seen videos of dogs. They'll be sitting there sound asleep and all of a sudden they take off running, laying on their side. Uh, I don't know if he's chasing a donut down a hill. I don't know if, if she's running out. I don't know what they're doing and I doubt they can tell you. But nevertheless, our brains are very complex. And through that, God designed us to learn certain character traits, muscle memory, things that become second nature. Such, and I gave this example a couple weeks ago. Uh, when I get in front of the mirror, and, I, and sometimes I do it without one if it's not there, I can usually tie my tie without thinking. It's natural to go through the process. I don't think about it. I just tie it. And Drew was going to wear a tie one day, and Amber said, here, tie this tie. And I stood behind him. All of a sudden, I locked up. And I completely forgot how to tie a tie. I walked in the mirror, in the bathroom, took mine off and said, let me practice with mine. I couldn't even tie my own. And I thought, I guess I'm going to go tieless today. And I, I don't remember if I just went without a tire and I got a zipper tire you put it over your head, you pull the back part and it pulls up tight. I think I had to go get that one. But nevertheless, so many things become second nature. And our mental capacities is almost so unlimited that habits, thought processes, reactions also become second nature. Some of us, whether you want to admit it or not, have road rage. And that is a learned trait. You get mad over something. That is a learned trait. And it becomes habit. Your reactions, the way that you think is all part of who we are and what we are. Now, all of our emotions, I said, everything goes into this. And Satan knows these things. He has studied man for 6,000 years. Trust me, he knows how we work. He knows what makes us tick. And he knows what makes us ticked off, if you will. He studies you. He's got a demonic uh, a demon attached to you. And once you're saved, it's no longer just mental. Now it becomes spiritual. As you heard someone testify, before they were saved, Satan didn't tell them they weren't saved. He knew they weren't saved. And they knew it. But once you are saved, he needs to render you useless for God. So he starts telling you that. He wants you to doubt everything there is about God. If the Bible says it, he wants you to believe the opposite. If the Bible says good, he wants you to believe bad. If the Bible says bad, he wants you to believe good. Whatever it is, he wants you. And let me tell you something. He has the audacity to give you a bold-faced lie knowing that it's a lie and doesn't care how you react. He don't care. So with God's help, I want to try to give you some things to think about here this morning. Now, in our minds, we must recognize where the attack's coming from. 
We must resist where the attack is coming from. We must reject the thoughts and then rejoice for God's presence. That is a short, simple formula on how to battle temptation and wicked thoughts. We were having a quick discussion this morning. John mentioned that uh, Paul said, put away your wicked ways. I think that's what it said. What, what, is that what the verse you said? Humble themselves. Wicked ways. Now, you as an individual may not consider yourself wicked, but in God's eyes, a lot of our ways are wicked. Satan knows this. So we must recognize our thoughts, our carnal nature, our flesh that's not redeemed as a wicked thing. My flesh is. My flesh does not desire anything God wants. My flesh says you're tired, stay home. But my spirit says I need more. I want more. I must resist thoughts from Satan. I must reject his lies that he tells me and I must rejoice over Jesus Christ. And it's time we tell Satan to take his basket of surprises and goods and move on down the road somewhere. One thing about it, the Bible tells us here, we, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds by saying that you realize our weapons edify. They don't hurt or tear down. Carnal weapons will always hurt. Somewhere, yeah, you might win that moment, but somewhere there's destruction. Somewhere there's hurt. Somewhere, someway, somehow, there's a second work to it that's coming that's always going to hurt. If it's a carnal weapon, it always brings hurt in the end. So number one, our weapons are eternal. They're not going away. They're not going to die out. They're not going to get outdated. They're not going to grow old. This Bible's been around for since 1611, this King James Bible, and it's as effective today as the first day that it was pinned down. Do you understand the men that pinned down the King James Bible? Before they would write the Word of God, they would, they would take their quill, they would clean it out, they would clean their ink, they would clean all that out before they wrote Jehovah or God in those, on those papers when they were translating the Bible. They took special care to write it, to get it right. They had reverence for God. They understood the eternalness of God, the power of God. Your weapons that God has given us, this word of God and the prayer, power of prayer is not going to be outdated. It'll always be eternal. Paul didn't fight with his flesh. He was an extremely brilliant man. He could have outsmarted most people he come against, but he used the word of God. He used the power of God. He trusted in Jesus, not in himself. Because he would have met somebody that would have outwitted him. He was oftentimes going against groups of people, not just one or two. Let me get a quick drink and I'll give you a couple things and we'll move on. The word weapons here means an implement or utensil or tool to be busy about. Uh, offensive for war. Notice it didn't say defensive. Or armor, instrument, weapon. Uh, so we got the weapons of our warfare. The word warfare means military service. Figuratively, the apostolic career 
as one of hardship and danger, warfare. Listen, when you become a child of God, God will cover you for a while. He'll keep you protected under a very umbrella, great umbrella of grace, but sooner or later, he starts moving that umbrella back and you start your warfare. Satan starts having shots at you. He starts attacking you. And before you know it, you're in the awful battle of your life. And you gotta realize that our weapons are eternal. He said the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. In other words, carnal means pertaining to flesh. In other words, our reasoning, the, today's propaganda, thoughts, beliefs, some modern mental exercises, they won't work. Amen. Robert Schuller's gone, he's off the scene, but he had the power of positive thinking in the, in the, in the glass cathedral. You can, hey, there's nothing wrong with thinking that way if you want to. The Bible even says think on things, but listen at the difference. Instead of powerful, positive thinking, the Bible says think on things that are just, that are true, that are lovely, that are perfect, that have any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. All those things point to Jesus. Positive thinking will point to you. That's carnal. So our weapons are eternal. Paul didn't fight with his intellect. He, he let God do the talking for him. Now before he was saved, the apostle Paul set out and tried to kill the Christian church. For those of you that don't know this quick little story or maybe you're a bit rusty on it, his name was Saul. He was a Pharisee. He went about trying to kill Christians. He would arrest them, throw them in jail. And, and he stood and gave his uh, okay to stone Stephen to death for simply preaching the gospel. He held their coats while they took rocks and stoned him to death. And, and Saul, who was then, Paul, who was then Saul, stood there and gave his approval of that. And so he tried to kill the church with a carnal weapon, but on the road to Damascus, God spoke to him. Jesus revealed of God. He no longer fought that way. Look at the difference in the effectiveness. The more Paul fought against the church, the more it grew. Once, he, once Saul became saved and became Paul, he fought with God and the church grew even more. It's a difference in how you and I react. As Christians, Satan wants you and I to react to a situation in your flesh, our pride wells up inside of us. Says, "Well, I'm not going to take that." And God is saying, "Vengeance is mine," saith the Lord. I'm not telling you to let people run over you, but I'm telling you, you better think about how you react. I've I'm trying to hurry. I've told this story before uh, many times. Amber's dad worked at a place years ago, and the guy that worked there actually spit in his face. He said, you call yourself a Christian? He said, I dare you to fight me. Dana, and I'm going to tell you something, Dana Hoffman's not the man to cower down. Even though he's 60-some years old, if you come against him, I still believe he'd fight you. And he, the doctor said one time, when did you break your nose? He said, I don't know, I didn't know I did. He said, you did sometime. He said, well, I guess I'm fighting all day growing up. So anyway, and this guy would spit in his face and he'd go home and beg God and say, God, let me hit him one time. Just once let me punch him and God never would let him. And finally, Dana would just turn and walk away. 
And finally, one night in a church service, Dana was sitting near the front, and somebody near the back stood up and said, because of that man up there, I'm a child of God today, it was the man that was spitting in his face. Let me tell you, God will use you if you understand where your weapons are coming from. They're not coming from you, they're coming from him. You must let him do it through you. You must have faith in God and live through Him and let God fight your battles. He will. Do you know what? To the world, Jesus lost. He lost. The Pharisees, the scribes, the Sadducees, the Romans, everybody thought Jesus lost and they were rid of Him. They didn't realize they were doing exactly what God needed and what you and I needed. He didn't lose. His name's above every name. Because of what he did. So number one, her weapons are excellent. And I've done, uh, skipped a line here. Number one, her, ex, her weapons are eternal. Number two, her weapons are excellent. There's not much above the word excellent. It means perfection. God himself delivered the word and Jesus gave us the example. You know, he didn't outsource anything. A lot of companies will outsource work because it's cheaper, somehow easier. God said, I'll go do it myself because that's what it requires. And he gave you and I the example. Our weapons are excellent. They are mighty. The word mighty here means, he said, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God. Mighty means powerful or capable, literally or figuratively, any way you can think of it, to neuter possible. Mighty man, possible power, strong through God, the supreme divinity, figuratively a magistrate, uh, exceeding God, godly. Hey, let me tell you something. There's nothing more powerful than God and His Word. There's nothing more powerful than prayer. If you'll trust God, have faith in Him, do things His way, quit trying to run your life. God's weapons will work. The reason they don't is because we get in the way. We do things our way. We start doing things carnal. They're mighty. I've said many times, God can take natural, uh, well, I'll think of it in a second. <laughs> the natural things of this world and destroy this world in a day. We can build other bombs and do all we want and cannot touch what God can do with natural disasters. He can take wind, water, and fire and eliminate this entire world in no time flat. He's mighty. Hebrews 1 and 3 says, Who been in the brightness of his glory and express the image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power when he had by himself purged our sins sat down at the right hand of majesty on high. This is speaking of Jesus. And I want to give you a quick illustration to try to explain this to you what I mean. By our weapons being excellent. They're not outsourced. And they're eternal. Uh, I should have had my pistol up here with me right now. I still do a lot of times. Y'all don't know it, but there's a lot of times I'll shoot back at you if you shoot at me. But if you was to fire a gun, now a rifle is designed, and for you ladies or men that's ever shot a gun much, I'm going to do my best to explain this to you so you'll understand it. There's a shotgun and a rifle. shotgun is what you shoot, and it shoots all kinds of little pellets out. You want to be as accurate, but a rifle shoots one tiny bullet. And you have to be dead accurate with that one tiny bullet or you're going to miss. Example, at 100 yards, that's really not that far. 
You have to have your crosshairs in that scope lined up just right or you'll miss the bullseye. And that rifle, that barrel is designed and scientifically backed up and, and been experimented to have a certain amount of twist in it, the just right kind of metal, everything to make that as accurate as it possibly can be. So without that barrel, when you fire that bullet, it's just going to go erratic. It's going to go anywhere. If you and I try to fire a bullet by the power of God through our power, you're shooting a gun with no barrel. And it's going to hit people. It's not going to reach its intended target. If you're trying to do it by your power, let me bring it down another level. Have you ever tried to drive a car without a steering wheel? You can't even make it out of this parking lot. If you're trying to do things in your power, somebody come against you, uh, bad things happen to you, you got hurt, you're, you're, you're down, uh, the world comes against you, you got a bad diagnosis at the doctor, uh, uh, somebody at work done you wrong, your friends turned their backs on you, uh, your parents did this, whatever the case may be, if you're trying to fight that by the power of flesh, you are driving a car with no steering wheel. You must let God work through you, put your faith in Jesus because His ways are excellent. Without flaw, without blemish, they always have been and they always will be. But as long as you and I try to enact things in our power and with our thinking, it will always be messed up every single time. Without fail. Without fail. He doesn't outsource anything. He doesn't call on somebody else. He deals direct with you and I straight to our hearts. He doesn't need anybody else and neither do you. <laughs> let, me, let me say this. Sometimes we got to get help from other people. But too much of the time, too much of the time, <laughs> we try to get things and do things because we're not going to be patient with God. We don't trust God to do it the way we think it needs to be done. So we try to kick in action and get things done ourselves. And we mess up. And now God's got a bigger mess he's got to try to clean up for us. Without faith, it is impossible to please him. So, number three, number one, our weapons are eternal. They're excellent. They're not outsourced or anything. Number three, they're always effective. Always effective. God's never lost a battle. His word's never failed. Holy Spirit has never let me down. God's never let you down. God's word is inexhaustible. It'll never lose any effectiveness. It, no matter how many times you read it, there's always something new. There's always something to learn. There's always something there. His word is settled in heaven. His word is settled to all generations. He has established it on the earth. It abideth and it'll continue to this day. And there's no way that you can get around the word of God and Jesus Christ in this life. You will deal with Jesus Christ somewhere, some way, sometime. It's always effective. He said in 1 John 44, this is your 44 magnum. He are of God little children over and over, and let me start again. He are of God little children and have overcome them because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Let me read this one more verse and then I'll, I'll wrap it up here. He said, casting down imaginations and everything 
that exalted itself to get the knowledge of God and bring it into captivity, every thought to the obedience of Christ. Every single thought needs to be obedient to God. He said the pulling down, that means demolition, extinction, destruction of strongholds, meaning to fortify through the idea of holding safely a castle, a stronghold. There's things that Satan puts in our mind that habits, hobbies, whatever it may be, addictions, anything that is a stronghold in our mind and only through the effective power of the word of God can we pull those down and bring defeat to those things and God get the glory and help you overcome the things in our life that doesn't bring glory to him. Satan locks on to those things in our life. He realizes what makes you tick. He realizes what makes you ticked off. He knows what makes how to he knows effectively how to get to you. There's only one way to fight that. It's not through willpower. It's not through logical thinking. It's only through faith by Jesus Christ in prayer and the word of God. Do you understand? There's no other way to get to God than through prayer. Do you realize that? I can't walk up to heaven. Prayer is my, is my only way to get to God and talking to him and through the word of God. And sometimes in prayer, there have been times where God said, I just want you to sit there and listen. I want to talk to you for a little bit. It's not always just us talking to him. God speaks to me through his word, through preachers, through other people sometimes, but it always goes back to his word and everything that comes from God. If it does not line up with his word, it's not from God. Satan will twist it just enough to make it look real. A few years ago, we had to um, bless unprivileged to be coming down quarter G. Amber had a Honda Accord at the time. A deer ran out on the road. He come out. He started to go back. Then he started to go back. He didn't know what to do. And deer's hooves on uh, blacktop is like us on ice, if you haven't noticed that. They, don't get, they need tennis shoes so they can run on that, on that road, get good traction. And so I went this way, then I had to go that way, and finally, because you know I was going 65 or well 65, and um, by the time that him and me and the deer both got to the same location, I hit that deer and, and busted the front bumper on that car, bent the fender a little bit, so I had to go buy a replacement part. The guy that fixed it for me went to DAR. For those of you that don't know what that is, it's okay. It's called an aftermarket place to buy parts not genuine Honda parts. And he took and painted that thing up and blended it in and you could never tell that that happened. On the surface, it looked just like new. But underneath, that was an aftermarket part. It was an outsourced part. You see, you couldn't tell that. God wants you and I to be genuine and real all the way through. Satan knows where the truth lies with you. He knows where it's at. There is another way to the throne room of God but by prayer 
in his word. You see, the amazing thing about this Bible is it's been effective all through the centuries. From the beginning of time, his word has never lost its effectiveness and it never will. It's not going extinct. It's not going to be pushed out, but it's always here. And our weapons are never overpowered. This word of God will never be overpowered. Right now, it looks like the world is winning, at least in this country and in some other countries. Uh, you've heard me say this, and I'm almost done. In Russia, there's two books that's very, very common, Tortured for Christ, and I can't remember the title of the other one, Cable, and I was talking about a guy named Harlem Popov wrote the other one. He, uh, Richard Wormbrand was in Romania, and Harlem Popov was in Bulgaria. And these men were tortured unmercifully just simply for preaching Jesus. That's the only reason. That Stephen in the book of Acts was stoned to death for one reason, preaching Jesus. This word is as effective on hearts today as it was then. Man hates this word because it shows us who we are and what we are. It reveals the wickedness inside of me. It reveals the, the sin in my life. And people don't want to see themselves as sinners. They want to, everybody wants to see themselves as good and great and wonderful. And man, I tell you what, I'm the best there is. But the Bible says you're not. The Bible says you sinned against a holy and a just God. There's only one way to remedy that sin, and that's through Jesus Christ and belief in Him. You owe a sin debt to God. I owed a sin debt to God, and I had no way to pay for it. Jesus paid the price for you and I. It's as though you sit down at a buffet and they, you walk in, they tell you, they ring it up and say, this is such and such amount, and you say, I don't have that, I can't afford that. And Jesus walks in and says, it's all covered. He covered it all for you and I. Everything you need, he covered. The problem is, we try to do things our way. We try to get a synthetic part that's not designed for us and make it work. There's a commercial one a few years ago. Showed these two little boys. They had one of those things that had the different wooden shapes that you put in that, in that piece and they slide in. Well, they were going to get a square piece in a round hole. And that one little boy took and beat and beat and beat and beat with a hammer. You could see it all spinning up. He said, there, it fits perfect. <laughs> Years later, it showed him growing up as adults. They're working on a car, and he's sitting there hammering away on a piece. He said, there, it fits perfect. It didn't fit perfect. And you as a Christian will not fit in a square peg. You can't do it. God has designed you and I to fit in a certain spot that he's got for us. And every one of us are designed to fit in communion with him. And there's only one way you're going to do it. Perfect, complete communion with God is doing things by his word. No matter how much you think you're right, no matter how much you think you've got a leg to stand on, the Bible will cut you down right now. And it will me. If God's word says it's sin, it's sin. 
If God's word says it's right, it's right. And there's no excuses or exceptions. I've tried to find them. They're not there. Because I wanted some for my sins sometimes. God said there's not one. The only thing you and I can do is trust in him and realize this is effective. No matter how much Satan tells you the word of God won't work. No matter how much he tells you trusting in God won't work. No matter how much he tells you that it's silly, it's stupid. And that, that what about the last 10 times? What about this? What about that? He's a liar and he knows he's a liar. And it's time you and I tell him that sometimes. Father, we thank you again for this time together. God, I could go on, but Lord, I feel like I've said enough. And God, I'm praying that you take this message, God, and you do with it what only you can, that it would be effective for you. God, I pray, that the Holy Spirit, that I have obeyed you, that I have brought this across to people so they could understand it. God, I, I certainly tried and Lord, we need you to make, sometimes, Jesus, we just need you to reveal yourself to us, make yourself real, make yourself known. And God, help us, I pray. Lord, the faith we have, you gave it to us. And God, sometimes we just need a little bit more. And God, that takes work and effort, and it takes growth, going through things to be tested to see that your faith will work. God, I pray today for those that's here that maybe need something from you, Mainly, God, for somebody that needs salvation. God, they need that more than their next breath. We don't have any hope for tomorrow. We don't have any promise for the next day. God, we need you. We need you now. I pray that you touch hearts as needed and necessary. In Jesus, your name we pray. Amen. As we